What's up, everyone? This is the Nuts and Bolts podcast, and I'm your host, the one Jame here with our amazing co-host, Airball. Hey, everyone. And Michael Kritz. <gasps> what to do? And we're here to give you the nuts and bolts of the standard and pioneer formats, a little bit of modern today, actually, each and every week for your listening pleasure. And maybe you learn a thing or two along the way, and maybe we learn some stuff, too. But first, let me talk to you about the sponsor of the podcast, CoolStuffInc.com. Using the code JAMES5, you can save 5% off of anything in the store, and I mean anything, sealed products, singles, anything you could ever need in Magic the Gathering or any other card game for that matter. They have it. Go save yourself some hard-earned money and go to CoolStuffInc.com. Let's start with our upkeep. It's the jargon of today. It's the word archetype, a specific branch of very influential or competitive decks in a metagame. Deck archetypes tend to revolve around a particular card, combo, or strategy. Uh, any of the core strategy groups a deck can fall into. These are control, combo, aggro, beatdown, tempo, something like that, or some hybrid of the pure strategies, like mid-range. That could be considered an archetype. Um, there's also a little bit more specific archetypes than just combo, aggro, mid-range, things like that. Um, there can be an archetype of a specific color combination. Let's say there's a mono-red aggro deck, but there's also some kind of big mono-red control deck. Those would be two different archetypes of mono-red, if that makes sense. So we're going to be talking a little bit about those today with the Meat Hook Massacre being banned. And we're going to talk about Yorian being banned as well. And that's going to be the topic of today's podcast. Look how they massacred my noodle. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> they massacred my noodle hard this week. Um, noodle being Yorian Sky Nomad and Massacre, of course, Meat Hook Massacre. But Meat Hook Massacre falls into three different archetypes, right? In standard, it's... Uh, Good in aggro decks, it's good in mid-range decks, it's good in control decks that are all black, and uh, that might be one of the reasons why they banned it, but we're going to go into a little bit more detail with that. We'll start with Airball. We're going to give a little bit of uh, reasons why we think it was banned, maybe give us some opinions on why we think it maybe should or shouldn't have been banned, or what have you, in the standard format, because that's the main format Meat Hook Massacre is played, other than Commander. We can touch on that a little bit later as well if we want to, but uh, I'll start with you, Airball. What are your, you know, bird's eye view of the ban of Meat Hook Massacre? Yeah, I mean, luckily we don't really need to guess at why they banned it. We had a bit of reasoning uh, posted by Wizards in their uh, ban announcement. Um, essentially, the argument from Wizards here is that black is really good, um, but it's healthy enough, and there are a lot of different black-based decks that they're okay with the way the meta is, is shaping up. Uh, and that they want to get rid of a card to nudge it to nudge the format a little bit away from black dominance, but not get rid of anything brand new. So they'll get rid of Meat Hook Massacre because they think it's had its time to shine in standard. Um, I tend to agree that this is like much more of a nudge than an actual consequential ban. Most of the top top decks right now were like Grixis or Esper, and they have access to other board wipes in their colors already. And most of the time, Meat Hook Massacre wasn't even played in the main deck. Um, so it was actually just a sideboard card if it was if it made the 75 at all. Uh, so I don't really think this is going to change too much in Standard. What do we think about it, Michael? I mean, uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm guilty here. I don't play Standard as much, although I'm looking into getting into Standard during the Brothers War. Standard's being kicked up in paper again in my local scene, so interested in getting into it so i did a, some light research today and essentially is exactly kind of what airball mirrored 
uh, or said, I'm mirroring that, that uh, I saw in the Esper, I saw it in, uh, in Grixis, and I saw it in some other ones like Jund, if Jund's a, a, a player in this metagame. Um, but, you know, these various things are trying to use it as a sideboard tool or in the main, but it usually only looks like a one or two of neither sideboard or mains. Um, and I don't quite understand the reason. I know, like, in philosophy, how Meat Hook Massacre plays out. But, um, you know, if, if Wizards feels like it was strong enough to to get out of standard, it might have been, especially since it appears to be like a mono black strategy that was maybe being dominant. That If that is the case, then, yeah, Meat Hook Massacre to be especially powerful because you can cast it every time there's no stumbling of mana because i do re remember that it does cost a black black and a x i believe so yeah. um yeah um that's kind of my perspective on meat hook massacre but uh this kind of like meta shake 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 up before the brothers war comes out i forget when it comes out but i'm excited i'm excited what it means for standards that i can start doing research in standard and not uh come in where it's been established and hard to get into. I find when shakeups happen, it's kind of sometimes the easier time to get into a format. So that's my takes. Yeah, my take on Meat Hook Massacre is that I think it was a ban of less that it was too good. I think it was more of a ban that lets other decks become more of a player than they were because you there's a lot of decks that you just couldn't play because Meat Hook Massacre was in the format and every single deck playing black mana was playing it, whether it was an aggro-based deck or a mid-range deck or a control deck, like we talked about archetypes earlier. And, you know, it just if you're playing a Rakdos Anvil deck or you're playing a mono-black aggro deck, you're both you're going to be playing Meat Hook Massacre because it does those last points of damage very well. It also beats mirror matches very well if you're playing against another aggro opponent. Um, and there's, there's also another aspect of it that I didn't mention so far. It's that it kind of narrows down the way that you have to play against the mono black midrange deck or any other of the black base midrange deck, like Esper or Jund as well, or even Grixis, is that uh, a lot of the decks play Liliana of the Veil and, and they also play uh, Invoke Despair. So in order to effectively play around those cards, what do you have to do? You have to go a little bit wider, or you have to have a creature that you really care about combined with creatures that you don't really care about. That's why you see Wedding Announcement being played a lot in this format, because um, it's the one one you don't care about, and it kind of protects your, like, Rafine, or good creature that you that you don't want to get sacrificed from getting sacrificed by Liliana of the Veil and uh, Invoke Despair. And in order to play around those cards, like I said, you have to make either tokens or go wide with other creatures you don't care about. Well, what punishes going wide and, you know, having a little bunch of creatures on board? Well, Meat Hook Massacre. But when the black-based mid-range decks are playing both of those cards, what are you supposed to do? The, on the only cards that you can play are cards that you just don't mind dying, which is why you see a lot of cards like AO being played in the format. Because if, you, if it gets sacrificed, sure, it's a really good creature, but you don't really care if it dies, because you get something back out of it, hopefully. And it can get Meat Hook Massacre, but they have to Meat Hook Massacre for like four in order to kill the AO since it's a 5-4. It doesn't get exiled by Wandering Emperor because it has Vigilance. So you kind of have to play creatures that you don't really care about dying or just play a critical mass of them that you don't care about them getting sacrificed or Meat Hook Massacred. But it, Meat Hook Massacre being in the same deck as the cards that sacrifice gives certain decks like a really difficult time in actually trying to affect the board in a meaningful way that actually like does anything. Now that Meat Hook Massacre is not in those decks, we'll have to play a little bit more conditional sweepers, like 
Path of Peril that only affects uh, mana value two or less creatures, and you have to pay a, a white mana to um, to cleave the card in order to kill everything, and that's six mana. So mm -hmm. in order, you have to play white in your black in your mono black deck, or you have to play some kind of white black mid range deck, like white black mid range, or maybe like a Mardu deck, in order to make really good use of Path of Peril. If you don't play Path of Peril and you're not playing white mana, the the cards that you have to play are a little bit worse. Like there's a drag to the bottom card which is two and two black, which says uh, creatures get minus X minus X um, plus one for, or plus an additional X for each um, domain land type that you currently have. So if you have a domain for two, it does minus three minus three and it goes up the domain chain. But if you're playing mono black midrange, you can only use drag to the bottom for X, for X equals two, basically for minus two minus two to the whole board. So it makes it a lot harder to play in a mono black midrange deck. You'll have to play a bunch of different triomes and trilands in order to make really good use of this drag at the bottom card. So it opens up the way for other decks that go wide. Even for myself, I'm going to be building a green white tokens deck because Meat Hook Massacre isn't in literally every deck. And you can play around the different sweepers very well because if your opponent's playing black, you can play additional three drop creatures that Path of Peril actually doesn't kill unless they cleave it. So it lets you play around it that way. Um, and also, you can play around Drag to the Bottom by looking at your opponent's lands and and kind of outscaling just like you would against Meathook Massacre against that card. There is another sweeper as well. It's Depopulate, which is two and two white, and then it destroys all creatures. But if you, if either player has a multicolored creature, the player that controls a multicolored creature draws a card. Um, so that opens the way of maybe playing a tokens deck that has a couple uh, a good amount of multicolored creatures in it to play around depopulate so you'll always give yourself the best chance of drawing a card so um for all of those reasons i think the banning of meetup massacre is an overall good thing i'm glad that it happened and it just it, it lets it lets us play around the mono black uh, or black based mid-range strategy a lot better um, I, over, overall, I think the decks are still going to be tier one and we're going to go into that, but I think it just opens up a lot of different avenues that just weren't there before. Do you have any, do you have anything airball, uh, that you want to say about that now that I just said that? Yeah, I, I think that I really just want to drive home how much of a beating this card was as a black mid-range deck against aggro. There's like two main parts of it. The first is the life game part of the card, right? So if, if you commit to the board as an aggro deck and the Meat Hook Massacre comes down, usually against mid-range, you can get them down to this low life total, force them to wrap the board, and then swing at them with a haster after the fact. You can't do that so easily with the life game from the Meat Hook Massacre, right? Like, if you have a wide board, like three or four creatures wide, you gain four, your haster probably won't be enough to finish them off on the next turn, and it gives them a chance to uh, to stabilize. And it's also modal, um, so this is why it's more important uh, for a mid-range deck than for a uh, control deck. Um, say you have like a shield ridge in play, uh, some sort of X5 or X4, and your opponent's board is like X1s and X2s, there's nothing saying you have to cast Meat Hook Massacre for the full Monty. You can only wipe their side of the board too. So it, it's absolutely crushing in that way against aggro decks. Uh, and additionally, just to add one more thing, when, when Black does have access to something... In this essence, like a, a powerful enchantment, um, it makes it like thinking from a general standpoint, like where you can apply it to other maybe aspects of magic. When black has a strong enchantment uh, and it's a 60 card format, decks have a hard time dealing with, you know, your access, your access to the enchantment, the creatures that you have that are powerful, 
the instance and 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 sorceries that you have with maybe discard effects removal and then like sometimes planeswalkers that you also have and for other people's toolkits against mono black a mono black strategy or heavy black strategy it becomes really hard to have a cohesive game plan to try and attack all those those angles uh, where mono black's operating, especially if it has a, a access to a powerful enchantment. So I think that's another, maybe a consideration that they thought of, especially since we're in small standard. I think right, where where it's not the big standard that we just came out off of that rotation just happened. So that's another just like a quick two cents into what I think is also going on. Right. I also I actually, I actually didn't mention something that I just remembered here. Um, the absence of mythic master in the format makes. Invoke Despair a tiny bit better because you can't just have your sacrifice your Meetup Massacre to Invoke Despair after you've played yours. Uh, I don't think that'll be as big of a deal anymore though because you might see Liliana of the Veil and Invoke Despair get a little bit out of favor if people decide to not play a lot of sweepers at all anymore instead of just putting in, um, putting the Meetup Massacre in their deck with creatures in it already because a lot of the sweepers that we have remaining will be ones that wipe the whole board much like Airball said, instead of just wiping your opponent's board when you have something like Shieldred on the board. So, um, anyways, um, let's talk about some decks, and we'll talk about how the meta that we think will project to shape up, and what decks might have got better, and what decks might have got worse after Meetup Massacre gets banned uh, tomorrow as the at the time of this recording here. And by the time you hear it, it's going to be today. So, um, we're going to talk about... You know, the best decks in standard, Esper Control, Mono Black Midrange, Grixis Midrange, Jund Midrange, Mono Blue Tempo, Mono Red Aggro, Mono White Aggro, and Midrange, actually, for that matter, in standard, and then Azorius Control. Uh, I'm not going to go into too much detail with these, but my personal opinion is that the Black Mage Midrange decks, like Esper Mono Black, uh, Grixis, and Jund, will remain the best decks in the format. I really do think that they will still be tier one. Uh, what do you think about the black base midrange decks right now as you conjecture for after it gets banned airball? Uh, it's hard to say. I, I think that at least in this standard, black based midrange is still going to be dominant because like I said earlier, Meathook Massacre wasn't a main feature in those decks. Um, most of the decks weren't running it in the main, um, only one or two copies in the sideboard for the most part. And you would think that in those circumstances, some aggro deck would pop up to basically farm game one if Meathook Massacre was so important against them. Um, and for farm game one against those and try to win one of games two or three uh, in, in the tournament settings. But we haven't seen that. And part of that is just because these black decks are so good at getting on the board early with decent stats that aggro decks have a hard time getting past, right? Like you have your blood tithe harvesters, you have your Rafines. Um, these aren't like black based control decks. This isn't your normal mono black that, uh, aggro could usually get through if it weren't for that pesky meat hook massacre. Like we have good creatures to play in black based mid range now. And I think that's really what's oppressing aggro more than the sweeper was. Yeah, I think the creatures that you're talking about are, you know, Tenacious Underdog is a three power two drop, and that blocks a lot of things. It blocks like almost everything. Uh, it even blocks like some three threes, and for, you know, it even blocks Graveyard Trespasser just with an underdog. But speaking of Graveyard Trespasser, you also have that, which is an amazing creature. You also have Evolved Sleeper in standard, which is an amazing creature. So, <laughs> I mean, let alone you having Shieldred and Sorin and Liliana and Invoke Despair, like, all of these cards are just way above average, and there's like, you know, 
obviously there wouldn't be any there's like no bad cards in this deck right you know talking about mono black but even in in the esper grixis and jun decks that can't play evolve sleeper for the most part sleeper um you have car cards in esper like rafine and uh wedding announcement that are very very strong you have cards in grixis like the three three that exiles creatures that uh looks at the top three cards corpse and gets appraiser. another card corpse appraiser yep uh, i can't remember names off the top of my head to save my life but yeah, in Grixis, you have Fable, Fable the Mirror Breaker, Blood Tide Harvester, Corpse Appraiser, and even Evelyn. Uh, in, in Jund, you have, you know, cards like Soul of Windgrace and Titan of Industry. So, I mean, the, the list goes on and on with cards that are not Meat Hook Massacre that still makes these decks tier one. And in particular, really good against aggro. Yeah, they're all really good. Against, yeah, exactly. They're all really good against aggro already. Uh, so I, I that's why, that's the main reason why I think that these decks will still remain to be tier one and it still might make aggro a little bit difficult but one way that aggro can win against these decks if they're not playing meat massacre anymore is just going super super wide and mono red and mono white green white tokens things like that have a lot of tools in their arsenal that can come up now because meat massacre aren't is not played in these decks or can't be played anymore and i think that's an, an avenue that these decks can take in order to beat these decks because if you can name a weakness of like say uh mono black midrange or grixis or jund it's that they don't go wide enough right you can build a board of a lot of tokens and remember there's a lot of token creators there's uh, there's let's see there's adeline that's still in the format there's wedding announcement that's still in the format there's the there's the selesnia two drop that makes two one ones that's still in the format i think that makes citizens and it, and it has and it can uh, come back out of the graveyard for five mana um, you still, we still have Intrepid Adversary. We still have the new Ajani, the completed one that just came out. There's there's a lot of tools in green-white that I think can be utilized now that Meathook Massacre is not a thing that can give Esper, uh, Mono Black, Grixis, and Jund a run for their money that also happens to be good against some other decks in the format like Mono Blue and Azorius Control. Um, Mono Blue is a deck that didn't really have to care about Meathook Massacre because... When you're casting Meat Hook Massacre against that deck, uh, you have to cast it for X equals 4 or X equals 5, and even a simple Spell Pierce can win the game in that in that way. So I, I, I think Mono Blue might just stay, you know, at the, you know, tier A tier slash B tier of the format, and I don't think that Meat Hook Massacre really affects how good Mono Blue is. But I'd be, I'd be interested to see... Mono Blue actually might get a little bit worse if decks like Green White Tokens and mono white and mono red are now new decks of the format, right? Yeah, I mean, looking at it quickly, you know, it's kind of doing that classic blue thing, especially when you're, um, it's just kind of the classic blue thing where if you're playing a mono blue deck list, what you're essentially doing is trying to play a creature and then the trying to play a creature and then spending a large portion of the game trying to just protect your creature and 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 hit things and um you know some of these other strategies could be faster than what you're doing and can definitely punish you so yeah i think you're you're you might be correct and a lot of these spells it seems like are might be powerful against mid-range strategies and so if their toolbox is set up to really take advantage of these mid-range strategies um you know and and aggro decks are on the rise then it could be something that kind of messes with mono blue for a while i think 
Right. Um, with with Mono Blue playing cards like that are good against mid range decks, like say Slip Out the Back or something to protect against removal spells, and all Mono Red and Mono White is doing, or Green White tokens is doing, is just putting a whole bunch of creatures on the board and attacking face. There's only so many Fading Hopes you can play, right? There's only so many March of Swirling Mists you can play before you're just dead to those aggro decks. Uh, Airball, what do you think of Mono Red, Mono White, and you know Green White tokens? Maybe like even a Mono White tokens or Mono you know, really fast mono green is going to do in a format with no meat hook in it. I think the best hope for the meat hook massacre making a difference in terms of aggro was mono white. I think it was already pretty good. Um, but the meat hook massacre being so good against X ones in particular, I think disproportionately held down mono white. So like think of a card like Thalia, which is traditionally very good against control and mid range, especially on the play. Meat Hook Massacre for X equals 1 was still very attainable even against Mono White's best starts. Now, without that there, Mono White's best starts will probably just trash a whole lot of the average draws from the mid-range decks and from the control decks that exist. Um, I don't have a whole lot of hope for Mono Blue still. I think cheap removal is everywhere in the format, and the diversity of the threats in Mono Blue is not very strong. I haven't seen a compelling Mono Green deck that does something better than like a Selesnya Enchantments-based deck. I think Selesnya is probably pretty good and might improve a little bit. Um, and Mono Red uh, is another one that I haven't really been convinced by so far. I think Mono White is probably the best aggro deck to play post Meat Hook Ban. Yeah, I can, yeah. I can definitely get behind that. Um, let's talk about uh, a, a couple of you know control tools that aren't in black. Let's talk about Azorius Control in Standard. And there's a couple sweepers in here that I think are vastly underplayed right now that, you know, we'll probably see a little bit more play now that the sweepers um, are a little bit condensed now that we don't have Meetup Massacre. And that's Depopulate and Farewell. So can you give us a little bit of an outtake on Azorius Control and how you think it will shape up? Because Azorius Control probably has a good matchup against these go-big mid-range decks. Being able to provide counterspells against cards like Invoke Despair um, countering cards with, uh, you know, negate against the Fatal of the Mirror Breaker, or maybe even against a Cruelty of Gix, and even using cards like the Stainful Stroke to stop like a, a big Titan of Industry or something out of these mid-range decks. Um, what do you? Th how do you think Azorius Control shapes up against the meta that we're currently talking about? So against the existing meta, Azorius Control sucks, and the main problem is that um, even though counter spells are traditionally very good against mid-range, uh, and I think in a vacuum these mid-range decks should get punished by Control. There just really isn't a good game plan for control to close out the game, and with the with the um, mid range decks being so good at grinding, it's not enough to just sort of answer everything and hope that one of your man lands or eventually something like that eventually wins the game. You do need to close the game quickly, and the only real tool that blue white control has right now for that is Hullbreaker Horror, and that does very badly against things like Infernal Grasp which are just all over the meta right now. So it's weird because usually shifting the meta towards aggro would be worse for control, like shifting it away from mid-range would be worse for control. But if it shifts it towards aggro that doesn't answer the late-game threats of blue-white as well as the current mid-range decks do, maybe it gets a little better. I still don't think that blue-white control will be better against aggro than, like, Esper mid-range, so I don't think it's going to see a whole lot of extra play, but it probably improves at least a little bit. Yeah, I, th I think that depopulate might just become the best removal the best sweeper in the format and also uh farewell will become the one of the best sweepers in the format and have a really good matchup against the Selesnya enchantment stack i think it would have a pretty good matchup against mono red and mono white based on how good depopulate is and also 
how little multicolored spells those decks play. Um, I think it might still have a problem against, you know, black, uh, black based mid range decks, especially in best of three, when they can bring in all the duresses and uh, everything that can stop Azori's control. Um, and outside of Holebreaker Horror, I think, you know, Wandering Emperor is a pretty, is a pretty good end game. Um, and it's already, it's also a removal spell. So uh, outside of those two cards, I think Azorius Control does get a little bit better, even if it doesn't hit tier one. I think it becomes more playable now that Meat Hook Massacre uh, is not in the format anymore based on how good the sweepers become. I do want to talk about one other deck that I think might become a little bit better is the uh, five, four or five color domain decks, either with, with Xur or without Xur. Uh, it makes it a little bit harder. It makes it a little bit hard in this standard to play a card like um like leyline binding because of all the enchantment removal between destroy evil tear asunder and a lot of cards even like hopeful initiate that can get rid of enchantments um but i think that those decks will utilize drag to the bottom very well and not be forced to play a lot of early creatures and they can play more of a hard control game plan with drag to the bottom and really get value out of like drag to the bottom for x equals five x equals six every time they use drag to the bottom so that's kind of what creeps into my mind when i hear about meat hook massacre being banned what's the best sweeper to play and i think it's either depopulate or drag to the bottom what do you what do you two think about um the domain like a domain control deck going forward uh, <laughs> uh i i'm trying to look up and research stuff here on 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 you know mtg goldfish and I don't know. I, I it's five color is five color is 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 a lot to ask for. I feel like in a standard format, this, but there are there are exceptions in time of current like recent sets. Like I forget, like the one that had the Niv Mizzet uh, that was five color was it seems somewhat viable. And I think during, I think if I correct me if I'm wrong, back in uh, the War of the Spark, I think there were some five color options possibly, but usually there's like a unique thing that's making them operate. And I don't know if, you know, domain, the payoffs of domain is good enough. And even though we have access to like tricolor lands, it's just hard to imagine like it being consistent enough and not stumbling enough, especially if the meta has recently is going to be changing and, and maybe favoring aggro here for a little bit. It seems like you might, it might take a little bit to get your feet under you before, you know, aggro's already cemented a board presence. That seems pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think about that, uh, Airball? Yeah, I, I think domain control pretty clearly gets worse, not better, with the banning of Meat Hook Massacre, right? Like, the main weaknesses of the domain deck are that you have to play a ton of tap lands, so you need to play slowly, which mm -hmm. you're much better, you'd much rather do against mid range than you would against aggro. And we're assuming that this is going to tilt things towards aggro. So that's bad on its face. Um, and domain control is one of the control decks that actually did have a win con right like it did have the commie war that eventually flipped into a 6-6 and started beating down i, I think domain control takes a bigger hit I, I think when you're evaluating that deck you need to t think about how good the domain payoffs are and how the conditions in the new meta will affect what made those cards good so like leyline binding is an excellent flash based removal spell that turns on about turn two or three ideally if your lands come out right and it's single target removal. So the question is, do you think that single target flash removal will get better or worse uh, with the Meat Hook Massacre being banned? And I think the answer is it will get worse because people are going to be more likely to go wide than to go tall. And getting rid of one problematic permanent is probably not great. 
my thinking behind it is that drag to the bottom becomes so much better in that deck that even if you're even if your opponent has a shieldred on the board you can wipe everything and the shieldred which you probably even couldn't do with meat hook massacre uh also you can you don't have to just play drag to the bottom you could also play a couple depopulates in your deck as well since you are playing you might be playing like a uh three color based you know core of the deck with one or two other colors and i think you could even play a card like archangel of wrath which it has become a win condition that i've seen out of the domain decks that dumpster aggro um so i think that there's a lot of i mean leyline binding can help you stay alive to the point where you sweep them and then win the game with either the archangel of wrath um and zur is very very good if you get rid of something with the leyline binding and then on turn five you cast Zur, and then you have a white mana and an, an, another untapped land, which you most likely do on turn five or six. You play it, and then now you have a seven-seven, in like hexproof death touch lifelink seven-seven coming at your opponent, and you just win the game. So there's there's um a, a, outside of I mean I guess the blue white blue white control that we talked about earlier. This deck is a control deck that does have the ability to have a lot of win conditions, even if you're not playing Kami War. I've seen decks just play Zur. I've seen decks play Zur and Kami War. I've seen Zur plus uh, plus Archangel of Wrath. There's just a lot of ways you can go with it, and depending on how the meta shapes up, I think it could it could have a lot of really strong matchups. But um, you do, I mean, you do have to stay alive to that point with playing tap lands and everything. So that's yeah. also that's also another thing. I, I think it, I think it just could be a deck that we should probably look into a little bit more and it might it oh, might be, it yeah. might still be bad but i think we should probably like take a look at it um agreed let's let me talk let's talk about certain decks that get better that aren't necessarily already a thing there is um selesnia tokens that we were talking about a little bit before but with that with meat hook massacre not being a card i can definitely see this deck becoming a thing it's not even played right now at all but there's a couple cards that i haven't mentioned yet that i want to mention there's the torrens card it's like a three mana two three with tra training and every time you cast a creature spell you make a token obviously there's wedding announcement there's there's the two mana card that makes two tokens there's the also two mana flash creature that makes a token a johnny that puts counters on your tokens and gets you card advantage there's wandering emperor that also not only being a removal spell also makes tokens uh, there are there's a lot of cards that just has never seen play, but they, I think they will. There's also Rabble Rousing, which is the five mana enchantment with Hideaway that whenever you attack with um, creatures, you make X one one creatures equal to the amount of creatures you're attacking with. Um, there's also Adeline that's still in the format that makes tokens, and uh, I think this might be a really a really good route to go if you're choosing to try to beat the mono black esper grixis and jun type decks with all, a lot of spot removal because what is your cut down going to do or your infernal grass going to do against a one one token when there's like five more tokens on the board right uh, i'm curious to see what you what you two think about the celestia tokens archetype going forward after the media massacre ban start with starting with you airball yeah, I mean, the proof is going to be in the pudding, right? Like, Selesnya Tokens has been totally unplayable up to this point. No one's really been... No one's taken it to any serious tournament results. It doesn't even make most tier lists. Um, and I don't think that was because of the Meat Hook Massacre. I think it's just because the cards weren't powerful enough to... Or, or consistent enough to get the job done. Like, I, I think Rabble Rousing is a meme. Um, it's it's way too expensive. It's very win-more. And if the rest of the deck isn't already chugging, then it's not really a great payoff. Um 
And I think the other board wipes in the format are more than good enough to deal with it. And also, importantly, those tokens don't fly, so they're not great against, um, like, Esper having a giant Rafine getting you dead before you can set up with the token stack. I don't have a lot of faith in it, but you're right, certainly, that it gets better with the meat hook ban. What do you got to say about it, Michael? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'm interested to see if it's going to work. Um, I, you know, according to what Airball says, and, and his confidence in it. I'm, I don't know if I'm very confident in either, because like if you're a tokens deck, you want to make sure that your tokens are very strong. And if there's decks that can either emulate the speed of the speed of, of putting cardboard or like threats on board uh, that could match the Selesnia one when that's what it's supposed to be doing its best, but have better creatures, then I don't know if it's going to kind of work out. Um, and if it's if it's something that um you know i don't know if meat hook massacre is probably the only thing holding it down like it was like uh airball uh said and you know it's not like all these mid-range strategies aren't gonna look towards other sweepers some that we've mentioned like you know the farewells we have depopulate um we have the drag uh drag to the bottom mm -hmm. like we have all these cards that you know those things still are in existence and so you know if if it wasn't doing good before meat hook massacre um then i don't know if it's going to do well post the meat hook massacre being banned okay hear me out there's a card i haven't mentioned yet that's also in green white because mm -hmm. the, the 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 deck archetype is so criminally underplayed that you just forget the cards exist like king darian is also a card that buffs every creep you control plus one plus one. It's a lord. If you don't know what you know, a lord or an anthem is, you can look at the last, <laughs> at the previous episode. But it also you can sacrifice it to give your tokens indestructible and hexproof. So it really just protects all of your tokens as well to sweepers that might see see more play like depopulate. Um, not drive to the bottom because that's also minus x minus x. But yeah, um, depopulate and um, and path apparel. If those cards are if those cards are being played a lot, then King Darian gets even better. There's also another card that's a three a three mana card that you can play that uh, it gets it, it's like an XX and it has X power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control. So it could I, I've seen it be like a twenty nine twenty nine when you have like you know rabble rousing plus that and you know obviously this is a you know magical Christmas land world where you have rabble rousing in play and are also attacking. Uh, you know I, I can get I can get a little, little airball smirk in here too. Um, <laughs> but you know that's way yeah. more. But you know, say say you have a bunch of a bunch of one ones and they become two twos, and I haven't even mentioned a lot about wedding announcement already being a good card and also being an anthem. So your cards, your your tokens aren't aren't going to be one ones like ever. You also have intrepid adversary, which buffs all your creatures. So uh, I was actually playing a match today just to like you know get my feelers out for him. I, I played like three matches and I won like two of them, but um, there was a time where I had like five tokens on the board and they were all four fours, and my opponent just died immediately, and it was against mono black. Um, and Meathook Massacre was in their deck because today was the last day to play Meathook. So um, beating Mono Black with Meathook in their deck, um, it felt really good. I mean, obviously they didn't draw Meathook, but they could have drawn Meathook when I had a bunch of four fours and couldn't and couldn't kill them. But uh, I, do. I think they're yeah. Go ahead. No, I do like the King Darian thing. I think that's that's you know one of the cards that you want to see in that type of deck. So I didn't know that something like that existed. Yeah, um, there's there's just there's so many cards that like nobody knows exist exist and, yeah. and they're like really good. Uh, there, there's also like um, welcoming vampire that's in the that's in the the, the format still that no one knows exists. I mean uh, that's a more popular mm -hmm. card than usual, but 
uh, you have that plus wedding announcement plus making tokens. You can draw a card every turn. I, I don't know. It's just it's just really interesting to me. And I, I think and, and kind of to kind of follow up about what Airball was saying about like you don't think you know green white will be you know that played and you don't think Meat Hook Massacre was the problem. I, I actually think the opposite. I think Meat Hook Massacre was the problem. And here's why. It, in in the decks like Esper, Mono Black, Grixis, Jund, all of these black based mid range decks, it's just like a card that they're always going to play in in their deck. Whether it's one or two in the main deck or zero in the main deck, but all on the sideboard, like it's just always in their deck. No matter what kind of black based deck it is, it's in there. Uh, it's not like you have a choice whether you want to play a card or not. You're just always playing it. I feel like, and it's not even a, it's not even a feeling. They they just all do. Um, and now when the sweeper becomes a little bit worse and you have to play Path of Peril or Drag to the Bottom or whatever you want to play as a sweeper, um, you, you're not going to play this card, those cards in your main deck probably. And even if they play it post-board and you're in a tournament and you can see what, what, what they're going to board into, or maybe you're just on ladder and you can't, you can still reasonably play around a card like Path of Peril in, the, in a mono-black deck by just playing a bunch of three-mana three, three mana creatures, but they have to pay six mana to Path of Peril you. So... I, I'm, I'm going to get off the horse now, off the soapbox. I think Celestian Tokens is going to be a good deck. I, I just think it will. So anyway, yeah, sure. Um, sure. Let's talk about what's going to get worse in the format. I think I think really only one deck gets worse from Music Massacre Band, and I think you all agree with me. Um, the Rakdos Anvil Sacrifice deck. It does an extra yeah. point of damage every time one of the things dies, and they're sacrificing their creatures left and right, and you're going to die to Meathook Massacre eventually. And they can also amass a huge board of, of you know tokens and and one ones and and just cast Meat Hook Massacre and kill you that way um, after they have massed a board. And there's not much you can do about it, especially when you're at like five, six, or seven life and you're slowly getting drained from Anvil and then your opponent drops a Meat Hook and now you're going to be, you're definitely dead after that. Um, Rakdos Anvil Sacrifice is probably just much, much worse and makes it from an S tier or A tier deck into maybe like a you know C or D tier deck or maybe even um, maybe even like off the tier list. I don't, I don't know if you can make Anvil Sacrifice you know, still playable with Meat Hook Massacre, not in the format. Maybe maybe if the standard format gets to a point where it doesn't play a lot of artifact removal, but the sad story is, in standard right now, almost everything that kills an enchantment also kills an artifact. You know, Terra Sunder, um, you know, Titan of Industry, cards like that. Yep, I, it's easy to agree on that one. I, like I said, I haven't been playing a bunch of standard, but... Um, I've played so much sacrifice. That's like my favorite archetype. If I could ever jam that reasonably in a in a um, format, I will always jam that. And and I've played you know sacrifice of many standard uh, cycles and rotations. And you know usually sacrifice can't afford one of their main outlets or one of their main engines to go away. There's usually not many. And it looks like looking at it, that's like half your, <laughs> that's like half of your engine there. So you know, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be able to work um, like it did in the past, and it to be as smooth. You, you, it definitely needs to. If there was a replacement that was like seventy five percent as effective, maybe it could still stick around. But I don't have any knowledge on any card that exists like that in current standards. So I think you're correct with that assessment that. You know, Rakdos Sacrifice probably is either at the very bottom of the tier list or gets completely removed. Do you have an agreement, Airball, or anything else to say about the Rakdos deck? Yeah, it definitely gets a whole lot worse, and probably to the point where it's unplayable, but I do think that there's some chance that the Anvil, Experimental Synthesizer, Voltage Surge, Fable of the Mirror Breaker kind of core 
can still stick around as like a decent value engine. So like in the past, you had that core and you also had the meat hook massacre. So when you dirtled, you were just dealing incidental damage to your opponent as you dirtled and mm -hmm. won the game that way. But I don't think it's impossible to take that core and instead of have the meat hook massacre, just add the other good Rakdos cards to add a clock and keep the anvil around as like a card draw token generator, um, like value generator. I, I think you could still build a deck around that. Um, think like add Voldaren Epicure, Blood Tithe Harvester. All of those cards can still put a beat down on and maybe just throw like a shield rid or two in. Um, you, you, can, you don't just get the damage for free anymore. You have to work for it. But there might still be value to playing the Anvil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I, 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 it, I, my thing about it is when you're playing, you know, kind of subpar cards like the Voldaren Epicure, you want your subpar cards to be, you know, you have your little, you know, you know, working machine to make those really, you know, underpowered cards even better. And Rack and Anvil definitely does make those cards better. And you know, what what more is there to say about Blood Tide Harvester and Fable the Mirror Breaker? You know, we already know how good those cards are by themselves. So I, I think Meatuck Massacre kind of put it over the top and and what the points that you made, Airball, about you know maybe adding a shield or adding like a Sorn or maybe a lot a, some different incidental artifacts in there. Maybe you play Karn Karn Living Legacy in there. You know, you never know. You play some make some artifacts every turn or something. Give me a reason to play Karn Living Legacy, please. But um, I, I definitely I think that I know, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know. But um, <laughs> if you had a reason to play, that might be one. Never mind, it's not a reason. Um, anyway, but um. <laughs> I, I think if there was a reason to still play Anvil, it would be something like you said, Airball. But um, I personally think it it you know jumps off the deep end here now that Meetup Massacre is banned. All right, let's yeah. use some of your modern expertise, Michael. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Hey, oh. Hey. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the Sky Noodle. Let's talk about well, Yorian br very briefly. We don't usually talk about modern on this podcast, but let's give a little bit of modern here for wizards banning yorian sky nomad in modern um maybe maybe like how does it affect modern how what what decks get better if any what decks get worse if any give us give us a bird's eye view on uh yorian getting banned in modern michael yeah um so you know all this goes to say like i know this is an exciting time because bans usually mean exciting things especially standard i think that's that's been definitely definitely true I don't know if Yorian being banned in modern is a really exciting thing. Um, I hear different camps of the there's a primarily in modern there's a there's a deck that utilizes Yorian in the most powerful way, and that is called uh four color omnath or five color omnath. Um so it's an omnath deck that generates value because you're playing an omnath and you're playing all these elementals that can be um evoked basically just like they show up on the battlefield you know you pitch a, a color that's similar to that to that elemental by pitching mean exiling you exile something to to in, like play this card that doesn't exist on the battlefield you're just doing it for its etb effect and then it goes away uh sometimes they stick around and then yorian later on you can pull yorian to your hand and eventually like blink a whole bunch of your things that generate value on your board and then spit them back out and then you have already dealt with all your opponent's stuff um because you're primarily like a control value deck and then yorian just kind of like seals the deal and wins you the game however the thing that comes with the 
having a 20 additional cards in your deck is inconsistency. It is not unheard of of Yorian decks drawing a whole bunch of lands when they need to be drawing answers or threats, or the opposite where they keep drawing their answers and threats and not drawing their lands. And so there's some camps that say, like, Yorian's what makes this deck great, and there's camps that say Yorian makes this deck not so great. Um, and so I think because of that, it's hard to really tell if the Yorian banning is really going to shake up modern like we would like to. I think, yeah, for the next three to four weeks, you know, we're going to see some some metagame shifting. But I think at some point, those decks that were using Yorian as a companion, they're going to figure out how to make it work within 60 cards. And then we'll see those decks come back up to tier one or tier 1.5. So they're not going away completely. And in modern, you know, um, there's so many different archetypes. There's so many different decks. There's so many things to memorize that, like, because it's such a big field um, and the deck is still somewhat powerful, it doesn't completely remove it from the metagame just because you removed Yorion from it. And in some cases, the, the some camps argue that it, it'll make it stronger because people are going to find out a more consistent 60 card deck that can keep its power level and, yep. and and have good consistency so honestly i don't really know what it means for modern uh in the long haul in the short term it's easy like short term you know merc tide regent becomes better because that was like one of its primary um enemies um some other decks get better uh some of the other mid-range strategies get better because Yorian or four color Omnath, which had Yorian, was like the premier mid range deck and holding all the other mid range decks down. So we might see that happen for about three or four weeks. Um, but mid range strategies get better that were oppressed by Omnath, and then uh, some other strategies that Omnath is holding down uh, get to see a little bit more play. But like I said, I don't think it, it it's going to shape up the modern game modern metagame in a way that is like actually exciting uh for modern players i think it's just uh you know business as usual and we'll maybe see that deck come back up again in popularity and strength in three to four weeks i'll give you a little bit of an idea of uh someone that could get excited that the yorian's banned and opens up the door to other mid-range decks grixis death shadow lovers Right? Doesn't I that? Mean, that's does, me, though. Doesn't I know? <laughs> doesn't, doesn't that? Doesn't that deck get better now that Yorian? Now that you don't get outdirtled by your opponent going, you know, Omnath, draw a card, play a fetch land, gain a bunch of mana, you know, ev evoke your solitude, hard cast fury, kill your stuff. Like that. Those are the kind of things that that deck can do. And when you're not, when that deck's a little bit less prevalent in the meta, or people are trying different builds of it that, that are not completely optimized, that makes your Grixis Death Shadow deck better, right? Yes, I would say yes, and, and it does give us some breathing. I would say it gives us breathing room, it gives us space, but it's not <laughs> like it doesn't like yeah, it's on boys and, and girls and everybody like you know we're on a popping Grixis Death Shadow <laughs> tier one like that's that's not gonna happen. We just get to breathe a little and and. <laughs> From, I think Grixis Death Shadow is the deck that I've played the most modern, even post Luris banning. Um, I have like a 35 archetype or 35 deck sideboard guide that I've created for my own to go against 35 different decks. Like, I play that deck. Um, and I don't think the Omnath deck was a bad matchup. When I play it against the Omnath deck, for me, I'm not saying for every uh, Death Shadow 
uh, player. For me, I felt like I had 52 to 53 percent win percentage against uh, uh, Omnath deck. I didn't feel bad ag against it like I did some other decks. Um, so, um, yes, it gets better. And we're one of the, I think, as far as companions go, because we might segue into this, but as far as companions go in modern, we're one of the best decks to utilize a companion now that Omnath, now that Yorion is gone. So we get access to Higanta if you build your deck in that certain way, which it's not hard to do. And you still get access to really powerful cards. So um, I think Rix's Death Shadow might be the most powerful deck with a companion uh, is probably what I would say. But also, like, you know, Gigantha is, is probably is very powerful and just becomes the next cool, good good companion to play because it doesn't require you to build your deck in a certain different way than you would normally, right? There's mm -hmm. still, there's a lot of decks that play Gigantha, a lot of them. But there's also ones that play Obosh, too, so you gotta watch out about watch out with that in Modern and just dying to Obosh, right? If less people yeah. if less people are playing on that, that means, you know, more damage from Obosh, so there's and, also and that. Just a Pull airball in like Kahira is a Orzura's <laughs> control like thing in modern. So you know, I don't know if you're, that's something you're into. <laughs> he has a grim face on right now. I, I I kind of have a grim question for you. Um, so this is the second companion that's been banned in modern. I, I'm not a modern expert, but this is the second companion that's been banned in modern after Lurus. Um, the other ones that see play are kind of just like freebie includes on decks that would already be good. Yeah, they're free rolls. Like G mm -hmm. Gigantha, you put in there not because Gigantha itself is so great, but because it's really good as a free card, and you don't really see much of a deck-building constraint from including it. You were just talking about Kahira. Kahira sees no play in, like, Cat and Beast tribal decks in turn. <laughs> I, I'm Again, guessing the, only time, the only time you see Kahira is in decks that run literally no creatures. Mm. Um, okay. The I think Azorius Control does run creatures because the elemental evokers, uh, all those are elementals. Oh yeah, they're elementals. So... You can play them. Okay, great. <laughs> um, but for the most part, like in the formats that I play, though, Kahira is just a free rule because you're not playing any creatures, and and like the elementals aren't the reason you're playing Kahira in those decks either. I assume in modern. Mm -hmm. That's correct. You know, it's, you're it's playing you're playing benefit. creatures. You're playing Wandering Emperor tokens and Shark Typhoon tokens. Let's sure. not get this yeah, twisted. No, I mean, tr trust me. There, there's no one more sympathetic to that uh, to saying that than me. <laughs> but like, so like, we have two companions that have been banned because they're just too powerful in their own right. We have two other companions that are played because they're freebies. And wasn't the whole point of companions like to give you an incentive to construct your deck in interesting ways? And it doesn't really seem like there's any companion that does that that didn't just totally break the game. Are we at this point willing to just say the companion mechanic as a whole was a mistake and we should just errata it from the rules altogether? No, I actually don't think that. And here's why. I think there's some, there's a power level of companions that are amazing and awesome. Okay. And that is. Uh, you know, Kahira could should just like say you have to play a creature in your deck or something for it to be like I think I don't I think the free roll about it or like forcing you to make your deck better as in the form of Luris, which is Luris forces you to make your deck a better deck already <laughs> with playing no three mana or higher cards or permanents. But um, also I think Gigantha is at the point where it's probably still too good just being an absolute free roll and and because decks aren't really playing multicolored cards like that anyway. 
uh, unless you're playing like Solitude or, or Fury or whatever, right? Chill, chill, Ayo, chill. It's fine. Hold on. Uh, yeah, 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 you want to keep your Gigantha, Michael. But, but let, me, let, me finish, let me finish. I think Gigantha is actually a little bit too high of a power level to be a companion. I think the perfect power level for a companion is um, Obosh and the, and the Turtle, right? The, I don't know if it's a Turtle. I, I forgot the card name. But it's the five mana one that uh, you can only play three mana value or higher cards in your deck. Oh, the the Chungus, Karuga. The, yeah, Karuga. Yeah. You know, I, I think Karuga and Obosh are like the perfect power level. I, I think Lutri might even be like a little bit too restrictive, but Lutri is like still like really fun, a really fun way to build your deck with all one ofs, right? You, you get to build a commander deck basically. And it like, it, I, I think just that power level where like maybe it's too too bad to play but it's still a free roll and you still have to build your deck in interesting ways i think that's the perfect power level mm. i think literally actually won a league like a modern uh league like you know if i owed a couple times uh, well, that's, so... that, that that sounds awesome it, that sounds awesome to me like yeah, yeah like like uh, what if you're like oh a karuga deck just 5-0 like you would you'd probably like consider building it that's pretty wild. dope that's pretty awesome right like um, like obosh decks do pretty well but but you wouldn't think that those cards are just absolutely broken. Get them out of the format, right? Or, or and it's not an absolute free roll. Like you actually have to build your deck in a different way. Unlike Yorian, for the most part. Unlike Luris, which makes you make build your deck even better. And unlike, I, I hate to say it, but uh, Gigantha. I, th I think I think Gigantha is just too free. I think so. I think the the difference for speaking into companions, at least for the modern format, or maybe formats in general. Um, I think. It's correct about Luris and Yorion because they didn't really present you a deck uh, building constraint, but it also improved the things that you were putting into your deck. So, you know, like Yorion's ability to to blink a whole bunch of things, like you built your deck in a certain way that met its requirements and surpassed like what it was just giving you, uh, like as a body, right? And then same thing for Luris, especially. Like Luris was like, all right, we're gonna restrict you down to all these things, but like you're incentivized to play these things that Luris can give recursion to. And since you're playing at that mana level anyway, like it's really easy for you to bring something back out after you play a Luris. Right. Whereas in Gigantha, I think you're correct. Like it tiptoes that that fence line of being a little bit too powerful because you're not restricting your deck in a constraint that really matters. But really what it's only really offering you is basically the main thing in in 95 percent of games is a 5-5 body the secondary thing that it does give you is maybe some cushion against the sideboard card blood moon and that's really it like that's the only thing that it's really providing is a body and maybe some insurance against blood moon so well you know as far well, as and a card i mean right? and, and like it's just it a, free a free card. card oh yes and the, the card itself yeah i'm not saying it's not that's not a powerful thing within itself. But I, what I'm saying as far as its companion, compared to Luris and Yorion, which seems especially egregious, like right. the Gigantha, what it's giving you isn't something that like supercharges your deck when it when it drops onto the battlefield, right? Right, Where right. Luris and Yorion did. I mean, like unless it, you're playing you have to wait a turn to tap it for the five, you know, not five colors if you can cast something that's five. Why are you doing that? But like, it does give you some free mana, but it's not something by that part of the game. Like it, you're not tapping it for the free mana to get ahead, you know. Right. So. Yeah, I, I think I think you provide a valuable point. Like Yorian and Loris, like the, just the sheer 
what the card says in its text is already probably too good for the decks that want to play the card anyway. And it's a lot of decks that want to play those cards. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, Gigantha is a free card, yes. But the, abil like, the actual ability on the card doesn't really matter as much as mm. Yorian and Luris did. But the, I think the fact that it's a free card and it's almost a free roll in like every deck you feel like having a free roll, what do you have to cut like one card? What do you have, we have to cut like engineered explosive or something in your sideboard just to play it? Like no, sure, I guess. EE. I think you get EE still. Or you get you get one of, one of the other ones that you that you can't cast as XX in the mana cost, and you can't have that because Giganth that doesn't allow you to play two of the same mana cost, right? I, right. I think you yeah. can't play XX cards, but regardless. Um, we have to change like one or two cards in your deck to play Gigantha. It's like it's like That's it's like in such it's like such an easy cut to play what whatever other card you want to play in that slot, and it just makes it super worth it to have the free card, right? Yeah. Uh, not not to mention that it also is really good against Blood Moon, and some decks just get bodied by Blood Moon. And um, you know, Niv Misery Reborn is a deck that's not really played. But that just that just as an example of a deck that would get destroyed by Blood Moon, just one example. Not the best example, but it's still an example that Gigantha really superpowers um, the deck through Blood Moon and also casts Niv Misery Born with the tap ability. So, you know. You might be onto something because, like, Niv to Light is a strategy and uh, you can use that to cast a Niv Mizzet. Yeah. And at the same time, like, those, that's a powerful domain deck. So maybe because Yorion is being removed, it might give some of those very. Uh, passionate Niv to Light players Me. like a resurgence in exploring Gigantha yeah. and what that might offer. And Leyline so Binding, might be right. It might get banned. You I know, know, I mean, Leyline Binding, you, you play Giganta in your Niv Visitor exactly. Born deck, you have Leyline Binding, you have all the, you have all like the, you know, best two color cards, you have Lightning Helix, you have Abrupt Decay, like there's a lot of cards in that deck that are really good. But anyways, um, that'll be all for us today. Do you have any, any last words for us, Airball? Uh, no, I think this is a, uh... I think this is a welcome ban. I hope, hopefully, it makes a big change in standard. Yeah. Uh, any any last words for you, Michael? No, I'm excited to see you. You know, we're both modern and standard shake up, and uh, yeah, this is you know a good episode too. We we hit a lot of things, so just happy. Yeah, we're get, we're getting more and more efficient as time goes by. Well, do me do me a favor. Th thank you. I just want to thank you, everybody, for listening, and um, especially those that made it this far. Thank you so much. Make sure to give us a follow to see our next episodes. Subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at Nuts and Bolts Pod. And we'll see you in the top eight.